This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born and Joseph was named him Jesus. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. Get out your Bible if you have one. The story we celebrate today is the greatest story ever told. This is an exciting time of the year and one that uh, we all love. And I'm so grateful for those of you that led us in worship today. Let's give it up for those that have led us to sing songs to the Lord. What a, what a talented group of people, and they serve uh, us and serve ultimately God. Hey, just a few things before we get into the final message in this series that we've been doing called Anticipation. I want to uh, just remind you that uh, this is the last gathering that we'll have on a Sunday morning until January 8th. So we're not meeting next Sunday or the Sunday after. Next Sunday is December 25th. The Sunday after is January 1st. It's difficult to get into this building during the holiday, and so we've figured rather than risking it all the work and all that kind of stuff and because of the nature of the way the days fall we thought you know what, we'll just take a break and uh, so I hope that you will uh, stay encouraged and and uh, and stay safe and have a good time with your family we look forward to gathering again in January and um, and and beginning again a great year also on January 8th we start what we do each year called the Daniel fast now we've talked about it for a few weeks but fasting is an opportunity to uh, abstain from some types of food, depending on what kind of fast you're doing. We do the Daniel fast, which comes out of the Bible. Google it. Super easy. You can find out about it. And uh, it's an opportunity for us to refocus and to, to look to the Lord for uh, nourishment for our souls. And we find that uh, this time, which is the idea of fasting is so new to many of you, that we find that this is a really, really powerful encouraging, refreshing time. So physically, not only will it refresh you, but emotionally and spiritually and all that. So I would encourage you to join us. Obviously, we don't require everybody to do it. We couldn't do it. You all are too thick-headed, and you just rebel and quit coming if I required you to do it. Um, and, uh, and I want to just um, invite you to be a part of it. I'll be doing it, and many of our leaders will be doing it, and I want to encourage you to be a part of it. So we have some information uh, on uh, the card in your seat, and also we are emailing information with our uh, weekly emails too. So, All right, so all of that said, um, we have Christmas Eve this uh, December 24th, which is Saturday night. We're going to meet at 5 o'clock. It's going to be a potluck. It's going to be a good time. I hope you'll come. If not, there'll be so much food 
it'll be more difficult uh, for me to transition to the fast because I plan on eating most of it. And so please come and share in the food. It's going to be a good time. Very family friendly. We're going to do a potluck. We're going to do a little bit of a Christmas uh, service. I'll do the Christmas story and it'll be kid friendly and we'll do some Christmas songs and it'll be a good time. Matt will be leading us in some Christmas tunes. So it'll be a good time. All right. So today I've been looking forward to, I've really been looking forward to this moment. On November the 13th, uh, I felt stirred by the Lord in a sermon that I was doing, which we talked about the idea that oftentimes in our individual lives, other things can crawl onto the throne of our hearts other than Jesus. And there's ways that we can kind of figure out whether or not uh, Jesus is truly on the throne of our hearts. And then it exposed, revealed, or I felt compelled by the Spirit to think about in our church, like making sure that in our church that on the throne of the heart of our church was Jesus and not money or success or notoriety and all these kind of things. And what came out of that was what we have chosen to do for our Christmas offering this year. And I said to you on November the 13th that we want to, in our heart to collaborate with other churches in the community, we want to um, take up an offering that we're going to give to one of our partner churches that's ministering in Northside Village called Caruso Grace. And, uh, and I didn't know how it would go, um, but I was amazed. And so um, I just want to ask um, some of my, my dearest friends and um, partners in the gospel in the city of Houston, can I, can I have y'all come up here? Sergio and his wife Sophia and Louis and his wife Martha. Louis is a, an elder at the church and Sergio is the pastor and uh, we know that Sophia and Martha do most of the work. That's about how it goes. And so come on up here. We have had Sergio in our church a number of times. They joined us uh, for our vision dinner last year. And, um, and uh, so many of you know who they are. But from the beginning in our church, we have a, had a heart for collaboration. And we started this church believing that to reach a city and to impact a city... It would require more than one church getting big. It would require one church caring about helping establish and strengthen many churches. And so from the beginning, we have said we will invest in things. And, and the church has been gracious to allow me to invest part of my time in things that will not bear fruit in the number of people that join in this room on a Sunday morning. And so what this church is, is this church is partnering, collaborating with um, other churches being planted all over Houston, but really inside, focusing inside the 610 loop. So Sergio and I, Sergio and I became friends uh, a few years ago, and I have since become friends with Lewis and, and their, their church. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I attended, gathered with them for worship. I think Jeannie and I and the kids went over there. Greg and Mona came with us, and um, Nilza also came. And we just worship with them just to say, hey, we care about what you're doing. We're partnering with what you are doing. We care about your community. So Sergio is uh, planting a church in Northside Village, which is just on the north side of downtown. It's, the, uh, it's, a, it's a difficult neighborhood, and there's lots of uh, opportunity to shine the light of Christ in that neighborhood. So we care about them. And so what we said is we want to be a part of it. We are, as a church, in a community where people have more resources. And so we've said we're going to share what we have a little bit more of. We're going to share and be a part of. So I'm rambling now. But I won't be preaching for the next two weeks. So it, it's okay. So I, you, you owe me some time. So just sit back and relax, all right? Yeah. So in this envelope, 
is, um, is there's not literally a check because if I, don't, I want them to be able to walk safely to their car. Um, but in this envelope is a piece of paper, which is a commitment from us, and it will be followed up with a check uh, sent to them this week for $13,000. And so um, Sergio knows, man, we love you all. We care about you all. We're with you. Um, and not only do we want this to be a blessing to you, I want you to know that you all are a blessing to us. We need you as much as you need us because we want to see people in the city reach for Christ. And we do know, I believe with everything in me, that we have got to work together and we need lots of churches planted in all the neighborhoods around here. And we as a church are committed to that. We are committed to that and, uh, and we're going to continue to walk with you all. Thank you very much. All right, awesome. I'm going to pray for these, uh, these dear friends and then, uh, and then I'm going to preach. Lord, we love you. God, thank you for the, the spirit of generosity in the life of this church. God, I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm standing here and I'm getting to celebrate with uh, Caruso Grace and the people of Neartown the generosity. God, I, I dare say that uh, this is an evidence of the work of your spirit in our community. God, you've brought the people here who care about what's going on in this city and care about investing in things that, that are outside of our one neighborhood church. And God, I pray you'd bless them. I pray that these resources would be multiplied tenfold this year in fruit of impacted lives. God, we love you. We trust you. And it is our joy, God, to be a part of what you're doing in this city. We love you. And I pray all this in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen. All right. Love you all. Love you all. Yeah, I look forward to you taking me to lunch. All right. Love you all. All right. Yeah. 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 They have to run off. They have their uh, Christmas, uh, Christmas program with the kids. And so uh, you are welcome to stay, but you don't have to. I don't want anybody to think, oh, they got their money. Now they're out of here, you know. Peace. People these days, man, you get it, you know. So anyway, love you all. Let's all just stare awkwardly at them. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this is fun. This is fun. We're in this series called Anticipation, and uh, we learned that the gift of, from God of Jesus to the world was highly anticipated by the prophets. We talked about that a few weeks ago by the psalmists and by the first century Jew. Andrew and I have shared in these sermons. We've both been talking about these things. Uh, it was highly anticipated by these people until the day it was given. But here's where we're going to go today. It doesn't even come close to comparing to how much people's lives have changed since the gift was given. The gift of Jesus to the world, the thing we celebrate at Christmas, means so much to the world. And I want to help you to understand today what the birth of Jesus means for you. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever received a gift that changed your life? Have you ever received a gift that changed your life? Uh, I can remember as a kid one gift that forever changed my life. 
Think of it just like it was yesterday. I was 13 years old, and even as a 13-year-old, I looked forward to Christmas morning, and we had a little bit of a rhythm around our house, and I knew that every Christmas I was going to get one big thing. Some of you may remember things like that. Maybe your parents did a special gift that you opened the night before. Or, uh, but, but for me, it was always new. We didn't, we didn't do a lot of presents, but I always knew there was going to be one big thing. I, I can remember leading up to this particular Christmas that my mom had gone to great effort to decorate the home. She had lots of decorations, and it seemed as if every single day she made some kind of Christmas cookie. So the house smelled like Christmas for a couple weeks leading up to Christmas. One day, I was outside playing, and my mom comes out, and she says, Russell, you've got to come inside and go into your room. I didn't know what for, so I went into my room. Well, what it was was my dad was on his way home with the big gift that he was going to put into the garage, and I couldn't see it. So this gift was put into the garage, and I was excited about it, and I anticipated it, and I wanted to know what it was, but I could not go into the garage because it was in there, and it was too big to be hidden in a closet somewhere. So in the days leading up to the Christmas, I, I, I would lay in my bed and I would just begin to dream, think, I wonder what it is. What is it that my parents got us or got me that they would need to hide in the garage? So the big day came, Christmas morning, we opened up all the other gifts, and, uh, and it was as if they were trying to uh, play with me because they, they, they said, okay, that's it. I was like, well, wait a minute, there's that one gift in the garage that I just knew was going to change my life. And so, finally, they let me go into the garage. I walk into the garage, and there was something big with a sheet over it. I walked up to it, and I uncovered a gift that would forever change my life. It would affect relationships through high school and into college, and even to this day. You know what it was? You don't, because I'm the one telling the story. A ping-pong table. Who in here loves playing ping-pong? That was a gift for me that changed my life. And even to this day, the reason I planted a church is because I wanted to eventually get into a church where we had a building where we could have an entire ministry of ping pong. We could just have ping pong tables. I love the game of ping pong. And I will play any of you. And either win or I'll deny ever having lost. That gift that I anticipated, it changed my life. And really, to this day, I enjoy playing ping pong. And it did affect relationships in high school and in college. I mean, in college, what do you do? Study? No. You play ping pong, all right? You play ping pong and other things that we'll talk about in another sermon. It's the kind of gift that changed my life. It's so silly. But today, we're talking about the gift of Jesus that changes our lives because it means so much more, and not just for me, and not just for you, but it means something for the entire world. And I'm pretty excited about that. The gift of Jesus means so much to the world. And I want to tell you four things that it means this morning. Quite simple. So just uh, listen as I tell them. Here's what Christmas means. Christmas means that we can admit that something ain't right. Like the English of my sentence. But I want it you to remember, Christmas means that we can admit 
We can have the courage to admit that there is a problem in the world. Do, do you feel this? Do you feel that there's a problem? I mean, we are at Christmas time and it's very positive and uh, we want to be very encouraging. But just, I know it's in some of your hearts. This morning, there's some of you that in your hearts, what you're feeling is like something just ain't right in this world. And I have no desire to report the news. You can read the news and just quickly see that something is wrong in the world. Well, Christmas gives us permission to admit it and to say there's something is not right in the world. And some of you are here and you feel like something ain't right in your hearts. You're burdened this morning. Something's hurting in you. I mean, Christmas, the irony of Christmas is that it exposes sometimes things that are difficult, most difficult in our lives. Some of you, as you think about getting around your families, it's not all that joyous. You do it because you know you're supposed to. Others of you have a great time with your family, which is great. Others of you, I mean, you're really missing a loved one at Christmas. And so there's just something in your heart that just says, life is not meant to be this way. You know, the Bible teaches about what isn't right in our world. It's talked about in the fall. Genesis chapter 3, you know the story maybe. The first humans, Adam and Eve, chose to rebel against God. Sin entered and every peaceful relationship between God and man, between people and one another, and even between the earth and people was fractured. Sin caused division. So the feeling that we have that things just aren't right is a result of the fall and sin breaking relationships. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, Just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. We're all affected by sin, and we can all say that something ain't right. Say it with me. Something ain't right. Well, you know, this difficulty originated in the fall. We feel the effects of it today. But do you feel in your heart a longing for things to be made right? I know I do. There's this idea that's used eight times, this phrase that's used eight times in the New Testament about creation groaning. There being a groaning in created things for the restoration of or the resolution or a solution for that which is uh, not right. Romans 8, 12 says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We have a longing, a groaning, as we feel that something ain't right long for it to be made right. Now, let me just say one thing. There are some people that would deny that there's a problem, which to me is insane. I mean, um, I have throughout the years uh, walked with people that are addicts and, and recovering in their addiction, and any recovering addict will, will tell you that the first step in dealing with a problem is admitting there is one. And the reason, as I've experienced it and seen it in counseling situations for 20 years, that a person who is an addict would deny that they have a problem is if they are, for whatever reason, convinced that there's no way out of the addiction. You see, the reason that we could admit there is a problem is because we know there is a solution. 
So we, can't, we shouldn't feel like we have to deny that there's a problem. Christmas means that we can admit that something ain't right. But here's the deal. Christmas also means that the people now have a solution. So I have this uh, good friend, really enjoy being around him. He's a very well-known criminal defense attorney. And I find that conversation with this guy is, is very enjoyable and fascinating. And over the course of our six years of friendship... Uh, we've gotten to know each other quite well. He said something to me last week. I had lunch with him. He said something to me that was interesting. He said, you know, Russell is a criminal defense attorney known worldwide. He said, you know, Russell, our jobs are similar in a lot of ways, which I thought was kind of funny and slightly insulting to you, you know. He said, our jobs are similar in a lot of ways. And, and uh, I started thinking about why, why would he say that? I mean, sounds good, but is it true? And I think what he was meaning was that we both deal with problems in our society. We both deal with problems in people's lives. And, and as I've thought about it and considered it, um, I think he's right. But the difference is his solution is different than what I would suggest is the solution to the problems. We, we both recognize that something ain't right. But the, our approach is to dealing with that which is broken is very different. He's not a follower of Christ. He knows the way of Christ. I've talked to him about who Jesus is many times. You see, there are solutions in our world other than the one that we celebrate at Christmas Here's one of the solutions. It's called secular humanism. And I don't want to go over anybody's head, but this is the prevailing religious or thought belief in our day, in our city, in this area specifically. It's secular humanism. Here's what secular humanism is. It's the belief that people are capable of morality and fulfillment without God. And they see that all problems or things will get better. And problems will be resolved through reasonable thinking. That's one of the solutions that's out there. It's the prevailing solution as I've gotten to know people. But there's also another solution that's out there, uh, religious legalism. You know what that is? It's the belief that if I can accomplish a determined set of things, that God will maybe accept me. There's also the solution out there of consumption. The solution proposed by in the world by people and practiced by people of consumption goes a little something like this, that it, I can cope with my problems and the feeling that something just isn't right in the world through numbing myself, drugs, alcohol, better sex, better friends. And, and there are people that navigate the world and what we know is difficult in the world with one of these solutions, but there are problems with each of them. Let me just quickly tell you what they are, because I think it begins to help us understand the beauty of the real solution that we celebrate at Christmas. The problem with secular humanism is quite simple. You don't have to be a a genius to understand it. It doesn't work for everybody. So if you believe that the ability to reason is the, res- is the resolution to life's difficulties, then you basically eliminate any person who can't think reasonably. Uh, here's what, dumb people are out of luck. That's the problem with secular humanism in its 
simplest form to explain the problem is dumb people are out of luck. People that can't think reasonably have no hope of resolving the, anything that's a problem in their life. There's a problem with that. The problem with works-based religion is that everyone messes up. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So unless you're able to live perfectly since birth, you're indebted to the God of your religion. And any God who's willing to let you into their afterlife without requiring you to pay for your sin is not holy and not worthy of worship. There's a problem with secular humanism. There's a problem with uh, religion that's based on legalism. There's a problem with consumption as a way of resolving the difficulties that are in your life and around you. The problem with consumption is that the amount of things, material things, or alcohol, or drugs, or sex, or types of sex that you would need to consume to numb you from all the difficulties you will face, it will kill you. You can't do enough. So there's problems with all of these proposed solutions, the very common solutions to what's wrong in this world, but we celebrate at Christmas, the declaration of God that there is a gift to the world that is the solution that we need. And his name is Jesus. And choosing some other way is in its form, like Adam and Eve, whenever they sinned and rebelled against God, they hid from God. If you choose secular humanism or religious legalism or consumption or some other way than the gift that God provides in Christ, what you're essentially doing is hiding from God. And here's the thing about God. God is going to come find you. I'll never forget when Keaton was six years old, I took, this is my daughter, I, I took her on a camping trip, there was three other families, dads, with their daughters. And one of the dads had a daughter that was six years old, but also brought his two, another daughter and a friend. So there was some older girls there, too. So on the Saturday of the camping trip, we were uh, all standing kind of in our camping area, and the girls had walked off to go exploring and go walk on the trails. And I will never forget for as long as I live. Something caught my ear. I hear from a distance my daughter screaming, Daddy! Daddy! And it was as if I couldn't hear anything else other than her voice and my daughter in need. And what was I going to do? I was going to find her. You see, what had happened is that these older girls, not knowing how really mean it was, led my daughter into the woods, and they ran off. And here is Keaton, six years old, in the woods, lost, not knowing where to go. And all she knew to do was to yell, Daddy, Daddy. So what I did, I ran after her. And I started yelling, Keaton, over here. Daddy loves you. I was terrified. 
what did Keaton do? She followed the sound of my voice. And rather than walking more deeply into the woods where who knows what would have happened, she followed the sound of my voice. Here's the thing about God and Christmas. What we celebrate at Christmas is that it is the beautiful story of the Father finding you. Whether or not you realize it with your life, you're hollering out, Daddy, Daddy, there's a problem. I know it. And you may be looking to secular humanistic kinds of thinking or some sort of religious legalism or consumption to find you and to rescue you. But you know what? Those things just lead you into the woods, into death. But God will come after you in Christ. This is what Christmas means. Christmas means we have hope. Christmas means we have hope. And I'm not talking about the kind of hope that is, I hope I get this present or that present at Christmas, because that may or may not happen. It's the kind of hope that is so certain that we build our entire lives around it, the certainty that it will happen. The guarantee of that hope is talked about in Romans chapter 8, verse 23. I've read the verse. It teaches that the Spirit of God is given to us as the first fruits of blessing, guaranteeing we have hope. Look, I know some of you are experiencing difficulty right now. And you might be tempted to try to reason your way into thinking things are going to be okay. Or maybe you even operate with a, well, if I just read my Bible enough and pray enough and do this enough and do that enough, then God will accept me and give me what I need. That's religious legalism. Maybe you're thinking, well, if I just drink a little more, I just find a little bit better sex. If I make a little bit more money, that's not where hope is found. Hope is found in Jesus. The Apostle Paul got tired. He was weary. He felt hopeless at times. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 2, we grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. But here's the thing about Christmas and hope. It is the hope that through Jesus we get to connect with God. Christmas means that we have the hope that we can experience peace in this life. And Christmas means that we have the hope that Jesus will come again. We celebrate at Christmas the birth of Jesus, but we also ask the question, will this be the year that Jesus returns. He came as a humble servant laying his life down for humanity. The next time he will come as a conquering king. We have hope. Do you feel that? Have you received the gift that's made available to you at Christmas? Have you received it? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I've said a few simple things this morning. 
I've said that you have permission because of Christmas to admit something isn't right. Not only do we recognize that something isn't right in our world, maybe you know something's not right in your heart. The Christmas story is a story that of God coming to find you in the midst of that feeling that something isn't right. You can enter into a relationship with God to be at peace with God because of Jesus. You see, when Jesus laid his life down on a cross, he paid for your sins. And through faith in Christ, you can have your sins forgiven. You can enter into a relationship with God. You can allow God to wrap his arms around you to rescue you in the woods. I've also told you that we have hope. Christmas means we have hope. That's something we're celebrating. What is it for you this morning that you need to do? Maybe this morning what you need to do is to take a step over the line of faith. Will you receive Christ as the gift this Christmas? If you will, and you never have, then what you could say to God is, God, forgive me for my sin. Thank you for rescuing me. I want to begin a relationship with you, O oh God, through Christ. Still others of you needed to hear this morning and be reminded that there is hope even in the midst of difficulty God has not left you and he absolutely cares you might feel like you're in the woods and all you have to do is just to call out daddy daddy and the father calls back here I am Here I am. God Almighty, we love you this morning. God, Christmas means so much, and there's so much that goes on around Christmas time that can complicate the message. This morning, God, what we've done is simply look at what it means. It means that we can admit there's something not right, God. And we just want to have the courage to say that to you, God. Something's not right. Something's not right in our world. Something's not right in our city. Something's not right in our hearts sometimes. Thank you, God, for providing Jesus as a solution. Thank you that this little bitty baby didn't remain a baby, but he grew up to lay his life down on a cross so that our sins can be forgiven and was raised from the dead so that we can have the hope of new life. Thank you, God. God, thank you for our hope. God, I pray that right now that your spirit would call people to respond. For those that are here that are in the woods, I pray that they would call out Daddy. For those that feel hopeless, God, I pray that you just, in the power of your spirit, would just 
flood their hearts with a sense of hope. So this is a time where we sing a song of response. I just want to encourage you to respond however you'd like. You can remain seated if you'd like. You can stand up and sing this song. Let us worship God because Christmas means something. God, we love you, and I pray that these songs, this song would glorify you and you'd work in our hearts and we'd respond. If you want to talk to somebody during this time, if you want somebody to pray for you, I'm going to be standing up here in the front, and uh, I would love just to pray with you. If you want to talk about whatever's hurting or wherever you feel like you're in the woods or you need a, uh, just a prayer of hope, just, just please come forward, and uh, we'll do that. Let's sing song together.